Hello. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome back. No, no, no. Just continue. Had a hilarious moment this morning, guys. Jesus. Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Davis. And Benjamin Holden. We're really laughing this morning because <laughs> I'm sat on the biggest chair in the kitchen. <laughs> And Cal and Ben, who are so much bigger than me, are sat on the tiniest chairs. The gnome chairs. I'm sorry, it just looks a little bit funny, doesn't it, this morning? Something well, it doesn't, doesn't feel funny. It needed to, something tickled me this morning. When I get the giggles, oh my gosh, do I get the giggles? Yeah, don't we know it? Yeah. Something when it, something hits you. Hit you right in the feels. <laughs> oh no. Okay, you take over because I just need to re- reassess my whole... Let us fairly talk about... This episode of the podcast is sponsored by our wonderful sponsor, Muscle Food. Indeed it is. We've been working with Muscle Food yeah. for over, eight, well, two me years. And, me and Carl last week cooked the most epic, big, fat, girthy steak ever. A big tomahawk steak. Is that what it's called? It's not called a T-bone? Tomahawk steak. Tomahawk. So so that's the short, the tomahawk looks T-bone. Looks like it's... Um, you, you beat know, someone around the head, do they? No, no. Look. T-bone. Okay. I've got uh, it completely wrong. T-bone has a T-bone in it. They're the ones that... Have you ever seen films where they have a T-bone steak in prison and they end up stabbing everyone up with them? Yeah. I was just thinking the exact same Ooh. film. What is that film? Something Justice, is it? Oh, with... um. Gerard Butler. With Gerard Butler. Something Justice, is it? <sighs> Criminal Justice. No, I can't remember. But yeah, no. Laura Biding sits in water film. It's such a great film. But basically, yeah, we, cook, so we cooked a big fat steak. We, we slow cooked it in some hot water or something, mm. steamed it, and then delicious. fried it in the pan. It was great. Yeah, so you can use the code MCSFAM to get a discount on muscle food, which is amazing because all the quality of the meat, the fish, whatever you have in terms of those products, they're really, really fresh produce. So well, your mum's cooked a few things shit. in this week, hasn't she? She's sending oh my God. of them all the time. So my mum is not able to drive or really do anything at the moment due to her accident. So I've given her some of the muscle food food to try. Every single day for a week, I've had a picture of what she's been cooking. I'll get Kyle to put some on the screen, yeah. actually. We've got swordfish. She's like, oh, today we've got the Jamaican chicken jerk. And it's really wonderful that uh, she's been loving that food as well, isn't it? It's great for around Christmas as well, though, because there's some real hearty food you can get hold of mm-hmm. from us of food. Yeah, turkey. Oh, yeah, turkey. If you need to get your turkey for Christmas, get it in early, it leave it in the freezer. <laughs> you can use code... MCS fam. Well, you said that, but you know. I'll say it again. Save yourself some money. Get cheap food. Get (laughs) discounts. Don't go to Asda and Tesco. It's pumped with liquids and fluids and bullshit. It is. That is a fact. Your chicken in Tesco is so full of water. Sorry. I've still got the giggles. No joke. I put a a piece of turkey breast from Tesco the other month in the frying pan. I came back and I thought it pissed itself. Yeah. It's really awful because then you have to do that thing where you have to go over the frying pan, put your spatula on your meat. And try and not let your meat drop in the sink. Slide, yeah. Like, what are you going to do with your whole turkey just drops it's in the skill. sink? You're not going to eat skill. that, are you? Yeah. So, yeah, you avoid that with muscle food. Okay, do you want me to tell you what my interesting fact for the day? Yeah, I'd love an interesting fact. Okay. You might not know this either, Carl. Carl knows a lot of facts, to be yeah, fair. Yeah, but he doesn't know this one. So, though closely identified as a female fashion staple today, high heels were first designed for men. I knew that. No, stop saying you knew it. You didn't know it. (laughs) At the end of the 16th century, Persian-inspired style was all the rage in Europe, according to J. Paul Getty Museum. And heels were seen as being virile, viral, uh, virile and masculine. 
and a great way to boost your height and a few inches. Yeah, well, Henry VIII used to wear them. Yeah, so... It's on all the pictures. I might next week just start going on my runs in high heels or just start walking. What would you do? We we go out for my birthday at the weekend. It's my birthday, by the way. And I'm wearing high heels. Oh, yes, I would. I don't think I'd When I was 10, I used to wear mum's high heels all the time. Yeah, but I just don't think... I don't think... I think your balance... I think as well. I think you underestimate how hard it is to walk I might actually buy a pair because... No joke, I have zero costs, and I feel like if I walked around high heels for a good, at least an hour a day, total training volume accumulative over the week, progressive overload, just add an extra hour in each week, I, my calves would grow significantly. They're also really, really bad for your feet though, aren't they? Do you remember in like primary school when they, would give you, they showed you those diagrams of like a woman's foot in a heel, and it's like, this is what happens to your bone, and it's like your foot is going to become vertical? Do you know what I think of? <laughs> I think of shoes and high heels, I don't know why. Do you know... Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah. And he's like, Steve Madden. Always had Steve those lemons with his shoes. <laughs> what is, no, they weren't lemons. Oh, no. He's had, le- oh, yeah, you're, you're had yeah, lemons, yeah, but yeah, the, the shoes things. are called Steve, Steve Madden. Steve Madden. That's still a thing now, is I it? think. Yeah. Are they quite big still now? Or? I, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Steve Madden. What is... Ooh. Uh, oh. We'll get Cal to put this up on the screen, by the way. He's just showing us this the... really weird foot. They tie their feet together, don't they? I think that's what you're showing me. Yeah, so this is feet binding, and it's a uh, practice done in China. So this is feet binding, binding, and it's a practice yeah. done in China. Um, they're feet bound into shoes, and it deforms their feet. That well, is so I, weird. I wonder what is the... I'll get Cal's book this on screen. Also, by the way, it when you listen to this podcast, probably in the next couple of episodes, Cal will also have a mic, so we won't have to repeat everything he says. Why do they oh do that, Carl? Oh my god! Like is it a tradition? All the corsets yeah, yeah, and yeah. stuff where people used to tighten the waist in. Um, so I I used to go to the gym sometimes. No joke. Now. And there's this guy. I walked in and he'd leave his normal work shoes underneath one of the benches and go in and obviously put his gym trainers on. I was going to get changed in the changing room. No joke. His shoes were circle. Why? Don't know. Do you know with an elephant had shoes? That's what they were like. Why? That's he had circle sh- feet. I don't know. I think it's club foot. Club foot. Yeah. Oh, that's an actual thing. Yeah, Two yeah, circle yeah. shoes. No, it's it's where you you don't walk on your heel or you can't walk on your heel. I don't know if it's to do with like the tendons, your Achilles. That's an actual thing. Yeah. I just thought it looked painful, but okay. No. Okay. So today's podcast. Oh, sorry. Just one last thing on us talking about where we off this podcast. In the next episode, you will probably see us somewhere else. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's true, actually. Because we'll have been in two weeks by that point, so people will know anyway from socials. Yes. I don't feel... I feel like it's still scary to share it now because we technically don't have the keys yet. We're moving house. We are. We're moving house, and it's been in the making for eight months, and it's been really stressful, and we're very excited. So we're going to have a whole new... Well, we'll have a temporary podcast studio fix that you'll be able to watch if you're watching on YouTube in the next episode, so make sure to tune in for that one. And then we'll have a whole new podcast arena that we're going to be creating, which is absolutely epic. Yeah, bear in mind, we do not have the house keys yet, and I've already created the Instagram page for the house. Yeah, don't tell people where it is yet. Okay, I won't tell you yet, but you'll find out soon enough. Mm-hmm. One very last thing. Bloody hell, Before we go into the podcast. Yes, we will. We're having this quick chit-chat. People, <laughs> people like having a chit-chat. I put um, people losing their mind, by the way, on the TikTok post that I put this morning. I can kind of see why. Yeah, but people don't give 
chance to understand what it's about. So, I mean, and, and TikTok's one of those places as well where you literally get three seconds to grab people's attention to tell them something. Mm. So people just really take things the wrong way and people are offended quite easily on that. It's a weird platform. But I basically put a video up this morning of things that should be illegal in the gym. That being home workouts. So basically getting your phone out and following along with some drama queen on YouTube who's jumping around like a school kid after a sugar rush. And I, what I wasn't trying to do on it was I wasn't trying to say, well, you shouldn't be in the gym. What I'm saying is there's better ways and means to spend your time in the gym. I'm not saying don't go to the gym because you haven't got space to do it at home. I'm not saying don't go to the gym because you want to get away from these screaming kids to do home workouts. I'm saying there's probably a better use of your time than following some idiot on YouTube who's literally doing more damage than good. Because just saying moving is what all people should be doing. Just moving sometimes is actually having a negative effect on what people are doing. Because you're if you're moving incorrectly and just jumping around doing plyometric stuff and not really concentrating on the movement and the way that you're executing it, you're probably going to end up injured anyway. So what I'm trying to get across with that post is probably a better use of your time would be to do some resistance training, do some lifting, grow a bit of muscle tissue, and enjoy it. Do you know what's really interesting as well what you said there? Plyometrics is one of the most advanced forms of training that you can do. Mm -hmm. And you see people doing these home workouts following along from YouTube with this crazy triple plyometric thing. But plyometrics is for like people who've been training for a really long period of time. The only plyo work I do is burpees and box jumps. The pinnacle, Harry Aikens. Harry Aikens is a Olympic sprinter and he will do a lot of plyo work. Safely, by the way. Safely, but plyo work's really specific and you see people doing it. It's like you're really going to injure yourself because you're following someone on Instagram or, or YouTube doing putting loads of exercises, mashing it into one. It's not actually probably that healthy for you and it's not yeah. that great for you. Yeah, you'll probably burn calories because you're so out of breath from doing this crazy thing. But that's actually a really interesting point, isn't it? That yeah. like plyo is supposed to be power-based and it's supposed to be very difficult with a lot of yeah. rest. Obviously, TikTok's a minefield anyway, but I just thought I'd mention it because there's loads of people arguing in the comments. I think we've got a builder next door. Yeah, we have got a builder next door. I don't think we'll be able to hear it. I can hear you. I can hear but you, builder. <laughs> let's, let's jump into the, 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 the apple pie of the podcast, which is the bulking mentality. And do you basically need to bulk? At this time of year, a lot of people get into this mindset of oh it's now off season time to bulk time to basically just shovel food in and kind of take a bit of a back step with stuff and we want to we want to explore that mentality and explore that ethos that sometimes seeps into the fitness industry do you know what i think it is as well with the word bulk i think it can come with different connotations of what the actual meaning is to essentially to bulk is to aim to build muscle yeah. and increase size. But the I thought that woman across the street was waving at me then. <laughs> She's absolutely not. I thought, I think people take it as you need to do a dirty bulk. You need to get all absolutely massive, fill yourself with all this shit food. And I think that's through bodybuilding over the years 100%. where people have seen this connotation of doing a dirty bulk. I don't really, I like using the word bulk and cut. I just, I don't really use them. I don't do them myself. I build muscle and I build strength by increasing calories. I think a lot of, especially women, get put off by saying, oh, I don't really want to do a bulk because in the head they're like, will I look bulky? It's like you don't people have put to, two and two. No, no, but that's my point. Yeah. Well, that's because they see IFBB Pro fucking Dwayne yeah. Gordon's doing it. Oh, I did it. And then it, automatically then seeps into the normal fitness well-being person is just looking to looking to 
kind of improve and better themselves a little bit and they automatically think, well, that's the right thing to do. And essentially, it's just yo-yo dieting. If you're just doing bulk cut, bulk cut, it's essentially yo-yo dieting. It's just dressing it up with a fancy name. You need to have some kind of bridging gap which causes some synergy between the two of you are actually going to do it. And that's what we're also going to talk about today because there's going to be some tough lessons to be had for some people who just go bulk cut, bulk cut and potentially lead into eating disorder for some people as well. Yeah. You don't have to have an off season. You're not fucking Mr. Olympia. Like instead we, instead what we have is normal seasons, i.e. autumn, winter, spring, summer. And what often happens during those is we slide up and down this almost metaphorical weight scale and that's fine. At Christmas, you might put a couple of extra pounds on because you're enjoying some stuff like the pumpkin spice lattes that me, Cal and Dr. Mike had the other week, which are fucking fantastic, by the way. You might enjoy some Percy pigs, have some extra food that you potentially wouldn't have as much of in the summer. I had an ice bun the other day. That was great. So I just wanted to join in. <laughs> you didn't include me then. <laughs> you had an ice bun? I had an ice bun at my mum's. Yeah, it's great. Iced. Iced. Ice bun? Yeah. Ice you, bun with you, white ice Did you ice ever have the top? Silly Sally buns? Who? Silly Sally, like big, massive ice buns no. with fr- fruit and raisin, amazing. Um, but yeah, you'll you'll have those type of things, and that's fine to slide them down the scale a little bit. That's not what we're talking about today. I think it's have a bit of flexibility is great, but the thing that we need to get away from is the bro mentality of stuff. That that just stuff needs to stop. It is. Definitely. I've, I've done that before as well. Sorry, by the way. Yeah, it is definitely a bro mentality, and I think one of the things that stops a lot of people from wanting to, I guess, like the build muscle. And I actually had a DM this morning saying, I've been in a calorie deficit for so long, but I just want to build muscle. I don't know what to do. I think psychologically in people's heads, it's the fear of increasing calories. 100%, 1 million percent. I definitely know from past experience from having an eating disorder for three years. Oh my, I really, really would not increase my calories. I thought I was just going to put a lot of body fat on this this voice in my head constantly pinning me down saying you can't do this you can't do that because it is that fear and it's not essentially the f- the fear of eating the food you're preempting something that's going to happen yeah it's not happened it's not happened you're you're saying you want to get out of a calorie deficit because you've been in it for too long it's probably unhealthy and you're already preempting, thinking, I'm going to gain significant amount of body fat. I'm going to feel this way. I'm going to do this. I'm going to look a certain way. But you don't know because you haven't actually been there and you haven't actually tried it yet. No, 100%. I think that's that's one of the things that I wanted to speak about today was the whole notion around that fear of food. Because mm. that's one of the biggest reasons why I think people... One, we spoke about people go from the, the real extremes of cut bulk the other extreme that people then go to is that they never increase the calories mm. because they are so scared to do so. And one of the ways and methods that we can do that is through reverse dieting. Reverse dieting is the act of slowly increasing your food into or calorie intake after a calorie-restricted diet to promote long-term weight maintenance. And you don't ha- you don't have to go into reverse dieting. That's just more the benefit of that isn't so much physiological, it's more psychological because people have this fear of food. So therefore, if they do a reverse diet. They can almost just slowly inject calories every couple of weeks. And that for them, psychologically, just helps them get back to that sort of maintenance point with food as opposed to putting in. Because one of the things that we know from increasing food intake and calorie intake is, and I think it's really important for us to point out today, there's going to be weight increases, mm-hmm. especially in the first two weeks of when you up food for the simple reasons that there's going to be an increase in glycogen. 
for every increase in one gram of glycogen, there's going to be three grams of water. So if you accumulatively across your body, we're actually going to increase the amount of weight, not body fat, by the way. Mm-hmm. And the other reason, if, if you've eaten more food, you're going to have more food in your body and in your digestive system. Yeah. So taking all those things in consideration, you're going to be heavier, not due to the fact that you've put on body fat. And also, I think just pulling over from that point as well, that's not going to hinder any progress specifically when talking about building muscle it will probably be more beneficial i think it's just i think for a lot of people they're like whoa i've suddenly put like two pounds on yeah but mm, it's not body fat like don't you can't just do that you'd have what is that stat where in terms of you'd have to eat like three thousand calories over maintenance to put on a certain amount of body fat it's well significant Three and a half thousand calories yeah. over maintenance is a pound of body fat, which you, people aren't overeating three three thousand three hundred well, calories three, a day. You put three pounds on a week. A lot of people do that quite easy, just from fluctuations with water and food. Not going for a boo. Exactly. So you haven't overread probably by what nine thousand calories per week, have you? Yeah, no. Definitely. So when you look at simple maths, it, it pretty much dispels any uncertainties or any scare or any kind of scare or fear that you have put on weight sorry yeah but for most people most people can just pretty much go to maintenance with food when it comes to this winter period and when we're looking at okay what should you really be doing maintenance is kind of the place most people should be especially if you're looking to build muscle tissue there was a there's been a couple of studies on when we're looking at calorie intakes for building muscle tissue and why i would always suggest that maintenance is the best place for people to be. You don't need to be in a massively calorie surplus. And this was one of the studies was by Garth Hattel. That's just optimal, isn't it? If people were literally like pro, just want to build muscle, very kind of in on it, optimally, they'd want to be in a surplus. Yeah, yeah. But we, we're, we're talking f- about the, suboptimal we're not, here. But if, maybe if you're a pro, that's what I'm saying. Most people aren't Mr. Olympia, probably pro bodybuilders. Because yeah. the thing you've got to remember then is that the more weight that you put on, the more severe the cut's got to be. You don't really want to be going yo-yo dieting for most people. Health and fitness is year-round, not just seasonal. So let's not be stupid. Let's look at getting the maintenance. The the golf hotel study basically was looking at uh, a group and I think they were putting a 600-calorie surplus per day and their, their body fat went up by times six or something. Or They put a load of weight on anyway in compared to the group that was at maintenance and there was no significant difference between the amount of muscle tissue built. Same with another study. They looked at people who are at maintenance and people who are in a surplus. There was no significant difference in the amount of tissue that was built between the two groups, but there was a significant amount of body fat that was gained uh, in the surplus group compared to the maintenance group. So what I'd say for most people is that you can build muscle at maintenance, have good flexibility with calories, have a psychological break from dieting and build muscle tissue. I wonder if it would take, well, it would be quicker to build muscle in a surplus. However, you will add more body fat as well. So it's kind of weighing up but what, I'm what saying, your goal is. In this, in this study that they did, there was no significant difference in the muscle tissue that That's was built. That's really interesting. What significant difference is that there was a difference, but not nothing. It wasn't significant, significant. enough. However, obviously over a prolonged period of time, that difference may become significant. The other factors that you've got to take into consideration is the type of athlete that you're looking at. People who are working balls to the wall, 
i.e. bodybuilders and stuff who are pushing themselves to extremes may be accumulating more tissue in a in a surplus. And I think, again, we need to be careful of the people that we're addressing. For the people listening to the podcast, being a maintenance, I sit at maintenance. I don't. I very rarely yeah, go into surpluses unless it was for the reason, like we've just been talking about with the fear of food. So I went for a period of probably a year or two where I was literally so restricted with food because I wanted to be lean all the time. And it, it disrupted sleep, disrupted recovery, disrupted performance. And I went into a big surplus with a coach and I wouldn't have gone into that surplus if I wasn't with the coach that I was with which helped me come out of that psychological barrier that I believed that I always needed to be in a deficit mm. and being in that surplus helped my relationship with food so it wasn't because I was looking from a physiological point of view to build more muscle tissue or to have a better physique it was more so the psychology of my relationship with food that improved from me being in a large surplus yeah. it was almost not to the same extreme and I'm sure she saw a lot of similar benefits. Do you remember when Stephanie Bottomore did that all in? Yeah. Hers was more so to deal with appetite, but I'm, I'm sure she probably took a lot of psychological benefits away from having that flexibility with food and not being so restrictive with stuff all the time. Yeah, definitely. I remember it was this time last year, actually, because the picture just popped up on our timeline that you, me and Carl went to Lanzarote. And I remember all of us did quite a significant cut before yeah. it. I don't know if it was quite significant because it was just after COVID when things were opening up and it was kind of keeping us busy. But I remember doing this cut and then we got there and we ate so much food and nothing changed. And then we came home for a week and flew out again for six weeks and probably ate at maintenance, probably a surplus yeah. some nights for that period of time. And I feel like since then, I've definitely detached this whole idea of always feeling like you have to do a severe cut before going away. Because you're always in shape all the time and you can be in shape all the time yeah. if you don't go through these seasonal things of bulk cut, bulk cut. Because mm. I wasn't happy doing that. I, I I remember not doing it as much as you and Carl. My cut wasn't like intense. I wasn't really doing any cardio. But I don't think I'd do that again. I'm, I th- I've I got no do. intention. I mean, that's the point of this podcast today. For, for, for me, my plan will be to sit in maintenance for for the winter period. And my maintenance is probably around, well, it is around 2,700 calories per day, which is which is a good amount for me. And then I wouldn't be weighing myself because I've got no real need. You, that, that's the other thing you've got to really look at is, is the metrics that you're taking based on where you're up to with your goals. Do you really need to be taking your weight all the time? For, for some people, yes, potentially. And if you're looking to add muscle tissue, then looking to add around 0.5 pounds for every week or two is a good way to measure if you're adding lean body mass and not a lot of body fat. And you can use that as a metric. But for me, I'm not really looking to add too much more tissue. It's going to be more performance-based and I'll at maintenance period, not really weigh myself and I won't, I won't really be using my fitness pal to, to track foods and stuff. Because once you get to that point where you're pretty comfortable with foods, you can, you can get rid of that crutch of using my fitness pal. You don't need to use it all the time and a lot of people will use it as a safety measure but you can start to guesstimate, you can start to eyeball stuff once you've been using it for a long period of time. So especially during this this period where you don't have to be as rigid or rigorous because you're not doing a cut, you can have a bit more flexibility with it. Yeah, definitely. I think what's important to note as well is when you do increase your calories, even say if it's about 200 back up to your maintenance, mm-hmm. the difference you will feel 
in the gym or training, running, doing sport is massive. The amount of energy that you actually have feels so much more significant. You sleep better because you're not irritated. A lot of time when you're in a calorie deficit for a long period of time or quite a harsh deficit, your sleep will be really irritable. So when you start to increase your calories... You're going to have more energy in general. Cognitively, cognitively, (laughs) you're going to feel better in the gym. You feel but your overall mood. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the time, you end up moving more anyway. Your knee increases. So your actual energy expenditure is still quite high. However, your overall, and this is, I guess this is more wellness. Your overall wellness improves dramatically. And that's from personal experience. And I would, li- I say that to so many of my clients when we're reverse dieting, saying, think how you're going to feel in four weeks' time, six that, weeks' time. That wellness term, though, that comes back to a lot of people that we're talking to today because we're not talking about bodybuilders. Most people, most people in the population are not bodybuilders and not doing competitive bodybuilding. So looking after your general wellness, health and fitness is, is year-round. It's not mm. seasonal where you get to winter and go oh fuck it i'm just gonna not train as much i'm gonna try and lift heavy i'm just gonna eat loads and be a bit of a fat fuck because that's not healthy that's not health and fitness Mm. and i don't like people who push that narrative okay if if you're a professional bodybuilder or that is your sport it might be beneficial to you not beneficial to the general population and that's the people that we're trying to target and talk to today i think as well it can put a lot of pressure on people sometimes when it just starts to head towards Christmas and they're like am I supposed to be in 5,000 calories a day what about if I'm not like am I do I and people get this kind of added pressure whereas if you're just kind of you're not dipping in and out significantly in these cuts and bulks all year round when it does come to those time times of year you do feel quite relaxed last Christmas I felt so relaxed when we got back from Lanzarote that was was the first first Christmas yeah yeah same I felt really, really great around food. I didn't feel any pressure. Mm. I'd been at maintenance for like the three months prior. And I just felt really, really good. And we'd also just brought out the strength program on the My Coach School, which I started doing, which was just so incredible. Doing the strength program over October, November, December was fucking awesome. Because that, again, a lot of people like, okay, what do I do with my training? (laughs) If you're at maintenance, let's just build some muscle and build some strength. Like we have programs specifically on the school for that. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this, the psychology of food during those periods of time is massive. And and that's one of the drawbacks of doing this whole bulking versus is cutting thing is that when you're so extreme with both, it almost creates those categories of good versus bad food. Yeah. Because people get into the notion of, right, I've got to diet down all summer to stay lean. So I need to really bring my self into an aggressive deficit eat clean foods to increase food volume and then when you get to this period around winter christmas they want to eat some more hearty foods they want to go for a drink with the mates the lads whatever they want to go for a red wine they want to go out with a drink with the partner but these have this fear of food due to that food psychology of good versus bad food that they've almost self created mm. because they've been in these two camps switching back and forth and and that's where it's it's difficult and it's it's breaking down those those barriers of trying to just create a bit of a bri- either a bridge between the two, or trying to just create something which you can sort of maintain year and ra- year round. Because for some people, it's saying no to having that extra slice of pizza or that burger or whatever. But then for some people, it's saying 
do you know what? Fuck it, yeah, I love that. Because psychologically they've struggled with that and struggled to accept it. Yeah. And the other thing is for winter, nobody's seeing you with your kit off. How often do you actually have your kit mm. off in the winter? <laughs> Never. Do you? It's fucking freezing if you're in the UK. So that's something that we've got to we've got to bear in mind. And the other thing is like you just you you're gonna be moody when you're in a deficit. So at least for for the Christmas period, up your calories a little bit, be but a that, bit happier, sleep a bit better, yeah. recover a bit better. That's one of the things, isn't it? You feel you feel quite alone. I think if you're I don't know in a deficit over like that time of time of year, you f- you don't know who to reach out to. It's like God, like what am I doing and sometimes you might need to take a step back and see, okay, am I being coached by someone who's really pushing me to diet at this period of time when really I just want to feel happy at yeah. this moment in time. I don't really want to go up and down in these massive deficits and surpluses and deficits and surpluses. I just actually want to be really happy right now. Yeah, yeah. And it, it might be one of those hard decisions where you might have to reevaluate who your coach is. Same if you're training, someone's giving you seven hit workouts a week. Oh, don't really feel like that at the moment. Do I need to take a step back, evaluate the situation, see where I am and start enjoying my life a little bit more? Mm-hmm. Like we've really learned that over the past like five or six months, R- like really significantly. You can't be enjoying something, whether it's nutrition, training, whatever it is. Finding enjoyment is how you're going to find like that really good balance yeah. with life that's and not, fitness. That's not to say that you can't take things seriously it's just changing <laughs> changing the goalposts a little bit yeah to change it to build a bit more muscle hitting some new pbs being being stronger having some more food but at the same time not going to fucking mode and being addicted to yourself is the is the important thing and i suppose that kind of brings me into a point of what i want to talk about with training as well and i mean for me i don't really change training through the year but recently i've been doing a little bit more low fatigue ability work just basically to stop getting injured even though i'm fucking injured at the yeah, moment you anyway. are really so really hasn't really worked that well but um but you you get injured by doing like the craziest things like ben will bend down to pick something up off the floor and he'll be like my back i've, I've done yeah, something to my back like an old man. he'll go and squat like 200 kg can you do that is that a, can you squat 200 kg don't offend me can you no yeah, yeah. So he'll, go, he'll, he'll squat he'll 200 kg and be so sound, but he will bend down and pick something up and break his back. Yeah. Like your injuries are always... A lot of people's injuries are that. Most yeah, people's yeah, yeah, are, yeah. are day-to-day stuff. But I had a question about sets and reps on Instagram this week and mm. about the post that I put up and I thought I'd address on here because it gives me a bit more time to speak about it. And again, with that low fatigability work, I'm doing sort of two to three sets of most movements. And most people will probably question that. And for a long time, I was just always used to be four times 10 to 12 reps staying in what i believe with the hypertrophy rep range doing four sets of everything and that's there's nothing wrong with doing that by the way you, well, you i get, do that a lot yeah. of time three or four everyone's different everyone responds to different stuff the reason why i've been doing this is because i've been doing a lot more tempo work so for example a rep for me might take me five seconds to do a rep so when we're looking at the accumulative time the muscle is spent on the tension you doing four sets of 10 times 12 and me doing two sets of one set of 12 to 14 and one set of 15 to 20 the total amount of time that we both spend the tension is probably similar it's just that i've done it over two sets and you've done it over four because i spent longer on the tension during those sets so the total time that the muscle spends on the tension is 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 similar probably the same and the other thing to just mention is that i've mentioned this before the hypertrophy rep range isn't just 10 to 14 reps hypertrophy falls anywhere from sort of 
six to 30 reps. It's a quite a, a broad spectrum to work within as well. Mm. So don't forget about some of those higher rep ranges are good and a good way for, especially when it comes to isolation, moving to progress and build tissue in those higher higher rep ranges as well. Yeah, definitely. And I, I predominantly work in the three to four range, but at the moment it's a lot more three. Three reps. Sets. Oh, I gonna say. Sorry, did I say reps? Yeah, you said reps. Sorry, but that's yeah. fine as well because you Three can do strength sets. work in that one yeah, to five yeah, rep yeah. range as well. No, I, I, it just depends what I'm doing really. But a lot of my training, probably since learning off Ben as well over the past eight months, I don't always do four sets. I do a lot of three set yeah. work. People always, always ask on Instagram when I put a workout up, is that your full workout? And I've got like five exercises. I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, you don't need to. I actually had a client argue this point with me. She was like... Because they'll come from people who have you've been setting them 10 exercises yes. per workout. So she came to me and she was like, I don't think the workouts you've set me are very advanced. I'm like, let's assess that situation you've just told me. What aren't you finding advanced about the sessions? That four, four or five exercises, a couple of them are supersets, so six. Standard glute workout, pretty solid. She's quite an advanced trainer, probably similar to me. Yeah. Well, m- with my training that I write myself, I do 10 exercises. I'm like, well, but are you seeing progress? No. no. Are you doing them Why did properly? you come? Are you seeing progress? No, I'm not. Why did you come to me to see progress? Okay, I've written you a session with four or five exercises. You will categorically see progress with that training. And we had to really, really go into it and explain why doing 10 exercises for a glute workout is not optimal. That is way too much volume, especially if you're wanting to hit glutes three times a week for optimal growth. You literally cannot be doing 10 exercises per session. But again, this is the perception that Instagram or whatever gives a lot of consumers when they see it. And now she understands it and she's loving her training. That's just one example. Everyone trains differently. But that one client couldn't understand why she had five exercises instead of 10. And you just have to explain sometimes how you're doing it. Are you lifting heavier? What's your tempo? Yeah, but you can either do 10 exercises half-off or you can do five exercises fucking hard yeah. and work hard in them. You can go through the eccentric part of the rep range slow and controlled, come up through the concentric, squeeze hard, feel the muscle group. Or you can just move like a pathetic peasant and just move from A to B, penitentiary style training, which you get very little out of. Mm-hmm. So it's thinking about the training, it's thinking about the movement, it's going through things properly, completing things with good range of movement and proper execution. And you will then be like, okay, five exercises, that's enough. Yeah, and that is specifically, we are talking here about building muscle and building yeah. strength. It obviously is different for different goals. Yeah. But specifically for building muscle and building strength is what we were discussing there. When we're looking at training as well, this this is the important part of of the kind of message as well today. People get this this false sense of security from eat a fuckload through winter and you can't just eat more and expect to gain muscle. If you're not training hard enough, you're not gonna improve and get better. And that's the that's the kind of other bro thing of yeah, I used to see it in the gyms all the time when I used to go to the old school gyms of people blending donuts up with egg whites and whey protein because it was just trying to funnel as many calories in as possible. And then, but then people just continue to train half assed and you get this this false sense of security is that oh, I can just eat loads and I'll just get bigger. No, yeah. you just get fatter. You won't get bigger. Yeah, that's that whole. And you thing don't need like, to go into that fuck it mentality. Yeah, like dirty bulk. Yes, exactly that. Dirty. <laughs> you said that was so weird. Then dead dirty. <laughs> the way that we should should look at it is though well 
it's it's a, essentially the base function of a calorie is it's a unit of energy. So when we're consuming more food, it's more energy to fill to 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 fuel your workouts. That's why we are putting more calories into the equation because it's a unit of energy. Therefore, you'll have more energy for the workout. Therefore, there'll be more chance for you to progressively overload during those workouts and build more tissue or strength as an end result. Is the is the real basic equation of that? Well, you end up, like I said before, expending more energy because you're you have more and that's a hard concept people to understand but if you're eating more you have more energy you probably will expend more energy your needs going to increase naturally mm-hmm. you'll be up on your feet more you'll be a bit yeah. more energetic yeah. like blah, blah, blah. i feel like i've got loads of energy this morning put me in the deficit your girl is sitting still yeah. and having her eyes shut that's one of the important <laughs> ones that you've touched on there by the way is that when people increase calories they'll, they'll naturally start to move more mm. fidget more and stuff. So, so your need levels do go up and the other thing is that when you do up increase those calories, it's it's way easier to maintain levels of body fat or levels of muscle tissue than it is to get to that point. So you don't need to worry about oh, I'm going to put loads of body fat on. No, it's it's. I know it was hard to get there, but to maintain it's actually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Same with same with strength and training. The, I think the minimal dose of volume you actually need per week is like one full body session for you to maintain your physique or that amount of muscle tissue one session per week and people think oh if i have a day off i'm gonna lose everything you know even if you did one session that week you, you, you probably just maintain you probably Take keep the you keep the engine ticking over and again training when it comes through the winter period with those extra calories chance to get strong build some muscle eat some good food without being a greedy cunt and because much. health and fit is health and fitness matters year round as well some people as i said again just use it as a period to get fat and forget about every other element of health health and fitness and it just feeds into people's sort of perceived ideas of what Mm. winter periods should really be about and i suppose that's what we want to try and dispel which is which is why we will still continue to to run and stuff through the winter period as well and why we'll still continue i know it's more difficult difficult but to get steps in because we don't see running or going on the bike or steps anymore as you make a valid point when we're in the car before didn't you yes that i go for runs now i don't see it as a way i don't see it as cardio and burning calories i see it as performance yeah my runs they're all i go out for a run with something in mind to achieve whether it's a heart rate whether it's a steady run whether it's hitting a certain pace, whether it's a fast run, that's performance for me now. Mm-hmm. And that is so much more enjoyable. It's so much more enjoyable than going and being like, oh, how many calories can I burn? It's, it's not cardio to me. Yeah. I, know it's, I know it's helping my cardiovascular system, but it's not its performance. So that is on the same level now as going to the gym is for me. Again, switching those elements around. So like we just talked about the way that you're measuring things. For example, when I was doing my cut and doing cardio during the summer, it'd be based on uh, maybe a time limit or based on, okay, I need to burn 400 calories because I'm just looking at energy balance. So I need to burn 400 calories in this cardio session. If it was to continue to do that through winter, it'd bore the fuck out of me. Mm-hmm. I just, I'd end up hating it because it'd be basically become a bit of a hamster. So having runners an element of just improving performance, general well-being, mental health. Again, yeah. trying to keep your steps up through the winter period. I know it's going to be difficult to get them. I know it's going to be difficult because it's pissing down everything in the UK. Potentially just drop them back to from... Uh, 10 or 12k down to 8k just just try and move a little bit more anyway the general consensus of it yeah. but like we spoke about in previous podcasts when we did the 10k episode having a, a step count massively helps reduce 
the risk of um, poor mental health or signs of depression and anxiety as well. So that's where why we're big on getting your steps in, not just because it burns calories, but because it does have massive positive impacts on your mental health as well and your well-being. Yeah, 100%. I feel like you said all my points that I was going to say. I? Sorry, that, I do apologise. No, I, f- I 100% agree. It's not, as we said at the very start of the podcast, it's not about seeing health and fitness in a way that's kind of a punishment or anything like that. What myself and Ben do as coaches is obviously a very no bullshit approach, which is why I guess people in a way are drawn to the My Coach School and the whole ethos behind the school is a community that is supportive, it's committed to creating positive changes. It's not like a specific set, you have to do this, you have to do that. We're not a dictatorship. And we're also, I don't know, can I say about the app? We're excited. You can say excited. But, uh, really yeah. excited about the app. <laughs> we just, it, we, it we, is we, we told people it's going to be out next month and this is that this should be up at the end of October. So, so actually, it's not going to yeah, be long. Yeah, it actually you is. You see stuff starts to soon. It is on it. I can't express enough how much it's going to change your life. It's going to be your little best friend hub. Mm. It's going to be, it's going to be your little hub. You're going to go on every day and be like, I love this. Yeah, your little PT in your pocket. Your little PT in your pocket right there. I think that's why the people have enjoyed the MCS 10 challenge that we've done because, again, like we've been speaking about running, it's not a point where people are looking at traditional cardio, the bro way of, well, cardio, bro, don't do cardio in the winter because gains and that. Mm. We, we've we done it because it's good for your mental health, it's good for performance, it's, it's just good to enjoy doing something different and have it alongside and complement your lifting. Mm-hmm. Just to conclude on those points, I mean, I think the big thing is... <laughs> in conclusion. Is, ...is finding a happy medium. Don't just try and get too caught up on the bulk cut thing and the, the, the yo-yo shit because health and fitness and well-being is year-round. You're, yeah. not, you're not a fucking bodybuilder. You're probably not a bodybuilder anyway. You're not looking to be Mr. Olympia. Let's look at, okay, we'll use this period to build lean body mass and body tissue. You don't need to be in a massive surplus to do that. Being at maintenance, probably looking to do around 0.5 pounds to uh, per week or every two weeks is a good guesstimate to kind of put yourself in the camp of you're going to continue to weigh yourself. Yeah. Enjoy some good foods. Try the Starbucks pumpkin spice because with it cream. is epic. With cream. You went back to get cream because they came over with no cream yeah. and I was like, what are you doing? Like, wow, get yeah. the cream on the, that frappuccino. You just pissed on my pancakes. <laughs> um, enjoy some good foods. Don't track as rigorously. Enjoy your winter. Don't be a dick to yourself. Is Join the my coach school. Join the micro school. Yeah. <laughs> Jump in the honey pot. But thanks so much for listening or watching today, guys. If you aren't subscribed to our YouTube channel yet, definitely just go over and subscribe. It's always very amusing, I think, to see our faces and the expressions. I'm very handsy. I talk with my hands. Uh, I'm very kinesthetic. I just, I just tell stories with I'm my very, hands. I'm very aesthetic. Hey. Hey. Um, but yeah definitely go over to the YouTube comment anything yeah, if you've got else. any questions you can pop them on the YouTube channel by the yes. way because we will, we will answer them all back so yes. if you have any questions off the back of this podcast drop them there yeah questions on the YouTube and also you've got a comment if Ben's a shoe snob if he gets annoyed when his running trainers get dirty shoe snob in the comments but we will catch you oh, in reviews please oh, yeah. continue to go into Apple and leave Sorry. our podcast leave any reviews on there because we do massively appreciate them Keep tagging us in stories if you've been listening to this episode and enjoyed any bits of it. Tags on story. We do love to see your feedback on there. Again, if you want to get any cheap food, get chicken that hasn't pissed itself. Link will be in the description of the podcast and the YouTube channel. You can use MCS Fam to get discounts on those. Yeah, 
and just on that review thing, it's quite weird how you do it. You've got to go to your search bar on Apple Podcasts, type in the Not So Fit Couple Podcast, click on it, scroll down, give it five stars, and then make a review. You can't just click on it. Nothing's easy. Nothing's easy nowadays. It does take like less than two minutes, but just for that little nugget of advice when doing it. Indeed. And we will catch you in next week's episode. Bye, guys.